Hey, faithful listener. Thanks for tuning in to the P40 Ministries daily podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping you grow spiritually so you can grow personally. Let's grow together by building a consistent Bible reading routine. This is Jen, your host, and today we will be discussing the book of Exodus. Hello and good morning, faithful listeners. Thanks so much for tuning into the P40 Ministries podcast and happy Monday. Hope you guys had a really fantastic weekend and were able to get a lot accomplished or just to relax. Now, today we are going to be discussing Exodus chapter 13, verses 1 through 10. I will be reading at the WEB version of the Bible this morning, but Please feel free to read out of a different version of the Bible, whatever you prefer to read out of. Grab that cup of coffee and let's go ahead and read. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Sanctify to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of animal. It is mine. Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand Yahweh brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. Today you go out in the month of Abib. It shall be when Yahweh brings you into the land of the Canaanite, and the Hittite, and the Amorite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, which he swore to your fathers to give to you, a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and in the seventh day there shall be a feast to Yahweh. Unleavened bread shall be eaten throughout all the seven days, and no leavened bread shall be seen with you. No yeast shall be seen with you within all your borders. You shall tell your son in that day, saying, It is because of that which Yahweh did for me when I came out of Egypt. It shall be for a sign to you on your hand, and for a memorial between your eyes, that Yahweh's law may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand, Yahweh has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this ordinance in its season from year to year. So now the Israelite people are traveling. They're finally out of Egypt after 400 years, pretty much, of uh, living in Egypt. It says, I think it was four generations that people lived there from the time of uh, Jacob, basically. Because Jacob moved to Egypt with his family, and then they were able to basically uh, grow the Israelite nation from there. So now the people are finally out. And God is telling the people at this point, and he's, he's talking to Moses, more about the Passover and more basically about the firstborn sons. You remember that God had just sent a plague onto Egypt that had to do with the firstborn sons. All of the firstborn males that were not following God's law at that point were basically killed. As terrible as that sounds, th- this plague was brought on to the Egyptians after many, many, many times to turn away from their, their basically their evil ways. And yet they still didn't choose to do that. But many did. Because we see that many, many people of different uh, nationalities ended up leaving with the Israelites when God brought them all out. So many people did turn to God, whether they were Egyptian or different slaves or other people or who knows how they came to live in the land of Egypt. But Many, many people ended up leaving with the Israelites and following God. So we know that there were people who were listening to Moses's words who were not 
Israeli people, who were following what Moses was saying and ended up doing the whole ritual with the first Passover ritual, pretty much. And their firstborn children were saved. Now, God was putting a judgment on the firstborn children, as we talked about with Pastor Mike and Pastor Mark on Monday, last Monday. Um, we were talking about how God was putting a judgment on the firstborn sons, the Egyptian firstborn sons. I mean, the firstborn son, that, that was a very, very important role to the family. The firstborn son was basically the priest of that family, if that makes sense, or the provider of the entire family. This included any like sisters and cousins and children and anything that they had in their family. The firstborn son was not only supposed to be the priest and the spiritual leader, but also the financial provider for the entire family. And I mean, you look at Jacob's family when he traveled to Egypt, there were, I think, 79 people that came with him or something like that. It was a lot. It was a huge crowd of people of just children and cousins and whoever else that traveled with Jacob. Now, the firstborn son would have been in charge of every single one of those brothers and their wives and their kids and everything like that. So the firstborn son was an extremely important role because they were the leaders of their family. So God was bringing a judgment upon the firstborn sons when he brought that plague because those firstborn sons were not properly leading their family. They were still worshiping false gods and they were still not listening to Moses and Aaron. But I mean, on top of all that, God was bringing a judgment upon them just basically for enslaving his people for 400 years or whatever it was. So God places great importance on the firstborn son. So he says here, in verse 1 of Exodus 13, all of the firstborn sons are now supposed to be consecrated to him. That was kind of the uh, the goal of the firstborn son from the beginning anyway. We kind of see that when we're talking about um, Esau and Jacob and how Jacob really, really wanted that birthright from Esau and how God ended up rejecting Esau because Esau rejected the firstborn son title. So we see that God at that point rejects Esau because Esau rejected what God had for him. So from the beginning, this was a very important title, and God wanted these sons, these firstborn sons, to be consecrated to him. And consecrated basically is a Christian word, I think, that means uh, set apart or um, different, you know, holy in a sense. So it's not saying that the other children aren't holy, but that great importance is placed on the firstborn. The firstborn son is supposed to be holy, is what he's saying. So he says, sanctify to me all the firstborn, uh, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and animal, it is mine. It wasn't just people that God wanted to be sanctified. It was also these animals as well. So yes, God does care about animal life. That was something we were discussing in the last chapters as well. That's yes, God, God also does care about animal life. And uh, he wants the firstborn animals as well to be set apart, to be sanctified, to be holy in a sense. So that is what he's telling the the people of Israel. And that is what he instructs Moses to say to them. Now, one thing I do want to mention here is just because God is telling Moses to tell the people that the firstborn is supposed to be holy, that doesn't mean that the other children, that God doesn't care about them or something like that. That's ridiculous because, I mean, look at everything that we've seen so far from the time of Abraham all the way to the time of Joseph. Every single one of those sons that uh, Abraham had all the way down to Jacob with Joseph, God took the right of the firstborn from the firstborn son and gave it to the younger son because he did that with Isaac 
who was Abraham's son. You know, Ishmael was technically supposed to have that birthright, but Isaac ended up having it. Then God took it from Esau, who was the firstborn, and gave it to Jacob. And then God took it from Jacob's son, Reuben, and gave it to Judah. Or Joseph. Actually, you can you can uh, argue about that one if you want. But <laughs> either way, God took it from Reuben, the firstborn son of Jacob, and gave it to one of the younger sons, either Judah or Joseph. So, I mean, God does care about younger children, but he's just saying here that, you know, the firstborn is supposed to be holy, but that doesn't mean that God didn't care about the females or the secondborn children or anything crazy like that. Because God cares about all of his people, and we see that time and time again. And God loves everybody, he created everybody, and he wants everybody to follow him. So now, at this point, uh, Moses is now talking to the people. He says to the people that basically this day is a day to remember forever. So this is probably the same day that the people were getting brought out of Egypt. And he says, this is the day of leaving Egypt and your slavery, for the Lord has brought you out of uh, Egypt with mighty miracles, he says. And he says, remember, during this annual celebration of this event, you are not supposed to use any yeast. He says, and don't even have any in your homes. Just get rid of all of that yeast. We talked a little bit last Friday, I think it was, about some of that yeast and how God is giving the people health regulation. Not to mention there's a lot of symbolism that involves yeast as well. You know, yeast symbolizes sin. And so removing that yeast from the house is basically a purification almost of the people. It's, it's a symbolism of purification. You're removing that yeast. You're removing that sin. You're being forgiven. And that is kind of what Passover ends up becoming celebrated as is the time of forgiveness of the entire nation of Israel and how people are supposed to be clean and free of sin and forgiven during that time period. So this was symbolism. Take the yeast out of your house. Get rid of all the sin. But I mean, not only is it that, not only is it symbolism, but it's also talking about a health regulation, which is a yeast is kind of like a culture. You know, a culture is something that, uh, I don't know, it's nasty. You can put a culture in milk and make it kefir or whatever that is. (laughs) Oh, kefir is nasty. I'm not a fan of it. But anyway, a a yeast is like a culture. It, It creates something else. And so Yeast can cause a lot of issues uh, internally, health-wise, if you eat it past its expiration date. So God is saying, get rid of the yeast, be healthy as well. Get rid of it once a year, and at that point, you can get more yeast, different yeast, better yeast, new yeast. (laughs) Bring that into your house after the Passover is done and remain healthy and make sure you're not uh, getting sick every single year when you eat unhealthy yeast. And so yeast does have an expiration date, and God is saying, you know, this is the time when yeast expires, so just get rid of it. So it's symbolism, and it's God protecting his people from uh, unhealthy circumstances and situations. And so Moses basically tells the people to make sure that they're not going to be eating yeast during the Passover celebration. And God had even mentioned that if a person does eat that yeast during the Passover celebration, that they are supposed to be excommunicated, basically. That is because these people here are supposed to be set apart from other peoples. The Israeli people were supposed to be special. They were supposed to be different. And the other people of the nation were supposed to be wanting to become Israeli almost. And God very much allowed that. He wanted people actually to become Israelites and to be his people and to follow the law. It says that in the Bible that if a foreigner wants to follow the law, 
basically all they have to do is go through the circumcision ritual, which will set them apart from other peoples of the world. And at that point, they can follow the law all they want and become one of God's people. It is very clear throughout scripture that God does actually include foreigners in the Israeli customs. We often like to think that God only set apart the Israeli people, and those were his his special people in a sense, and no one else was allowed to be special. No, that's absolutely not the case. God is unchanging, and if nowadays he wants everybody to come to him through Jesus, of course, back then, he also wanted everybody to come to him through the Jewish law. And so now it's just slightly different. Rather than using the animals to pay for our sins, we have Jesus who paid for our sins. And we don't have to do that anymore. That is the old way of doing things. And now we have a new covenant, which is Jesus. But like I said, God is unchanging in the fact that he wants everybody to come to him. And this included back then as well. But of course, God, God's uh, law and God's words end up getting uh, misconstrued. And later on, the Israeli people even actually ended up saying in the book of Acts, which we will talk about later on, but they ended up saying like, oh, we're not even allowed to enter a Gentile home. We're not allowed to do this. We're not allowed to do that. And and the Israeli people had a very, very poor look on Gentiles in general at that point of time. <clears throat> so yes, God's uh, words got misconstrued and twisted and all sorts of different things that shouldn't have happened. But at this point in time, God is saying foreigners can come to me and celebrate this as well. So we already talked about that. But basically at this point, it says in verse four and five that Moses is telling the people to celebrate this Passover celebration year after year after year. And he says in verse four and five, he says, celebrate this day of your exodus. And at the end of uh, March or Abib, which is the Jewish calendar and technically the uh, first day of the month for that Jewish calendar. He says, each year when Jehovah brings you into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, and Jebusites, the land he promised your fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he's saying to the people, you know, celebrate this year after year after year. And he's saying that we are going to be brought into this Canaanite land once again, and it's going to be ours. God is going to give it to us as he promised Abraham that he would give it to us. And one thing I found very interesting, I went back and listened to a couple of my old podcast episodes a while back when we were discussing everything God was saying to Abraham at the very beginning. God actually mentioned to Abraham, I think in Exodus 12 or something like that, that, that God was not actually going to give the Canaanite land to Abraham until after 400 years had passed pretty much, that the people would be in bondage for about 400 years. He told Abraham this because that the sins, this is specifically what God says. He says, the sins of the Amorites and the people that live in the Canaanite region have not uh, made it to its full perversion, basically. That's me paraphrasing. But um, God is basically saying that, you know, he wasn't going to give the land to the Israelite people yet because he still cared about the Amorites who lived there and that their sins didn't warrant that yet. So after 400 years, God knows, yes, their sins will warrant being kicked out of this land and uh, they will not be allowed to be a part of this land anymore. And this land is going to be taken from them and being given to the Israeli people. Basically, that's what God says to Abraham. So how caring is that? Not only does God care about uh, the Israeli people and his people, but he's also thinking about the Amorites and that he's not going to take their land away from them yet because, because they don't warrant that yet is what God specifically says to Abraham. So now the 400 years has passed and it's time for the people to go into this Canaanite land. 
because now the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, they warrant their land being taken from them, as God had said, because now they're so sinful at this point that God is going to take the land from them and give it to the Hebrew people. So then at this point, Moses tells the people in verses 8 and 9 that uh, during this celebration each year, this Passover celebration, when you're in this new land, he says you have to tell your children why you are celebrating this. And I think that is still a tradition to this day. The children are supposed to ask questions about the Passover almost ritually, and the uh, parents and whoever is there is supposed to answer them ritually. I think this is still a... um, a ritual to this day when uh, Jewish people celebrate the Passover. And so this is where they get this from, is where Moses says, you know, tell your children why you are doing this. Let them know what this is. Let them know why you are celebrating this and tell them about God's glory and how he brought you guys out of the land where you were in miserable slavery for so, so long. And so he says that do this to tell the people and to have a feast to the Lord and to celebrate the Passover and and basically worship God during this time period and remember God's care and love for his people. So then he says this is going to be an annual memorial week and he will brand you. God will brand the Jewish people as his unique people, just as though he had branded his mark of ownership upon you. Isn't that interesting? He says, this is when the nations of the world are going to see that you guys are celebrating something special, something that God gave you, and you are going to be branded as his unique people. So then I'm kind of talking about this verse when I, when I was mentioning before that people often think that, you know, the Israeli people, God placed a special brand on them and no one else was allowed into this exclusive little club. No, that's, that's, this is the verses where people get, you know, misconstrue what God is saying here in the Bible. And where they say stuff like that, but no, that's absolutely not true. Yes, God is branding them as unique, as his people, but people were allowed into that club. (laughs) This wasn't an exclusive club. This was God just saying, these are my people. These people have unique laws. These people are who you are supposed to want to become because God does say that uh, the nations would be blessed because of the Jewish people and Uh, God being within the Jewish community and, you know, stuff like that. So God does mention many, many times that the nations of the world would be blessed through the Jewish law and just different things like that. But friends and faithful listeners, this was Exodus chapter 13, verses 1 through 10. I hope you loved this portion of these scriptures and that you learned a lot and really enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please uh, rate this podcast five stars from wherever you're listening from, from whatever uh, listening platform you're on. Write a review, subscribe, and share the podcast episode. And let people know that P40 Ministries exists. But friends and faithful listeners, if you haven't gotten a chance to take a look at my Out of the Mire book, please feel free to do that. I actually just updated it. I, I put it back on Amazon, completely updated, and uh, the honestly, it looks great. I got a copy of it this week, and the pages are much crisper. You know, Amazon has some new... Um, new things that they didn't have when I originally uploaded the book and you know the pages look great everything is very pretty and colorful and so please order a book if you want to take a look at the life of Joseph more in depth and if you struggle with anything like depression or unhappiness hope hopelessness and uh, purposelessness take a look at that book see if it's something that interests you and I will drop a link to that in the bio of this podcast episode so you can look at that but friends and faithful listeners thank you for tuning in this morning Happy listening and God bless.